Riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black Hey, welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Today we are doing Batman Forever. It's going to be a game of two halves, Greg. First, we're going to look back at the context in which this film was created. Digging around for cultural artifacts that tell a bit of a story of mm-hmm. how this came to be, why it came to be. Sure. Then we're going to pluck it out of that context and put it into today. I think it was a comic. More to follow. That was a, that was a teaser. Spoiler alert. <laughs> All right, so Batman Forever. The year was 1995. The third at this point in the Batman mm-hmm. franchise. $100 million budget. Box office gross of $336 million. Ooh, is that good? good? It's That's a, good. Sounds good. It's good. Put it into context. The Batman 89 made 400 mil and at that point was basically the biggest movie ever. Ah. So Batman 1 was like cultural phenomenon <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Batman Returns 266 mil, still huge, but yep. considered a dip, which we'll get into a bit more later. Um, so this is success. This is success. Beat, beat Batman Returns, which in my mind is the favorite. Critical score of Rotten Tomatoes, where does this fit, you reckon? No particular order, but beating it would probably be the three Nolans, the original, Returns. You would be correct. So there's two below this. The two below this one are Batman vs Superman, which is pretty new. Yep. And um, the one Batman and Robin, the yeah, one immediately after the this. The George Clooney. But interestingly, so number one, Dark Knight, no surprises there, 94% of Rotten Tomatoes. Number two is actually Batman 1966. What's that? That's Adam West, baby. Oh, I didn't know they did a movie. I thought that was just 93% a 93% Rotten Tomatoes. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, so interestingly as well, like Batman Returns beat out Batman 89 in terms of critic score, not in terms of box office. It's kind of interesting. That's my favorite one. You're a Keaton guy, right? Yeah, I am. Through and through. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I... I did enjoy the new ones, but I probably, yeah, number one would probably be my favorite. Number one? Yeah, you just have Returns. I'm Batman Returns yeah. guy. Can you, can you have a guess at some of the top 10 films in 1995? It was a significant year. Oh, far out. I need to get better at this. 95. Uh, was there anything with Paulie Shaw? No. Shawshank sure Redemption. Year. No, I just, no. Nah. No, so number one was pretty big in the history of, evolution of cinema i'd say toy story number one yeah batman forever was actually number two then we had apollo 13 pocahontas ace ventura when nature calls the yeah. shit one. Oh, that shit one yeah. shit. but another jim carrey movie so he had two in the top 10 that year where we're at peak peak we're jim peak carrey, carrey at this point i was obsessed we'll get into that yeah golden eye ah. jumanji sands rock yep casper uh, yep. That's worth a rewatch. I looked at that recently. Yep. Seven and then Die Hard with a Vengeance. I have very poor perception of time because I would never have even guessed that these movies were on the yeah, same Yeah, if you said, what do these movies have in common? Not the year, surely. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. I don't know, so did you see this movie in cinemas when it came out or what? Perhaps. Perhaps. I feel like I probably would have been... In the early days of being allowed to go and watch movies by myself, i.e. Right. non-parent supervised, <clears throat> I used to be scared of getting rolled on George Street. Yeah, that was a real thing. Yeah. I used to put my money down my socks. That was a real thing. I remember getting to go to the city by myself or with mates. And you want to wear your cool clothes, but not too cool. You don't want to, Yeah, because you want to come home with them. You don't yeah. want to wear your mustard keppers. Yeah, oh, mustard keppers, man. Um, well, I remember it vividly because I went to Macquarie Center. I was in my peak obsession with Jim Carrey at this point. So I was just pumped to have new material, basically. Mm. I had um, recorded uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective on VHS, watched it at least 30 times. I could act out the whole thing. 
Like I was obsessed. Yeah. Um, so I was like, load me up, Jim. I need more. I need more material. And my sister was dreading taking me. She was like, please just don't do a whole new Jim Carrey thing after this movie. So that was my main draw card. Jim Carrey film, Jim Carrey film, Jim mm. Carrey film. I think I was maybe slightly underwhelmed as a Jim Carrey vehicle because it wasn't really a flat out comedy or anything like that. The other thing, strangely, I remember was this was around the time, I think, um, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee were a couple. And I remember uh. thinking Tommy Lee meant Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Probably because of this movie, because that's the only Tommy Lee I knew was Two-Face. And I was like, what a strange decision. Yeah. Well, you're the hottest girl in the world. Yeah. May as well land with the hottest guy in the world. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> I don't care. Um, in other news, OJ was found not guilty in 1995. Huh. Pretty culturally significant. That is actually interesting, especially with some anecdotes I have a little later on. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Grant was also arrested that year for being a big creep with Davina Brown. Right. That was my first ever memory of Hugh Grant. Like that to me, that was his, That's his entry moment. point into my consciousness. Interesting. Mm, I'm sure he's very cut up about that. What do you reckon the top song was of the year? Coolio with Gangster's Paradise. Then what year did that movie come out? The same year. What? Dangerous. Yeah, but that's not in the, what was it it called? In the top 10. I would have thought Dangerous Minds. Minds, yeah. When that movie came out, it felt like such a fresh idea to me for a film. And then it I realized was. there's a hundred movies with that. But was there before that? Or was yeah, that... yeah, yeah. Because there was Welcome Back Cotter. There's Stand and Deliver. Welcome Back Cotter is obviously a bit different. But Stand and Deliver, because I ended up doing that in high school as, a, as a film to know. study. And it's basically... Dead Poet Society is pretty straight. Dangerous Minds with Lou Diamond Phillips as the bad kid. Lou Diamond Phillips. You know yeah. he's a special guest on the Wiggles one episode? Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> yes. It's what? bizarre. I love it. He sings Rockabye Your Bear or something. It's crazy. Did he sing La Bamba? I wish. He should. He couldn't get the rights. Stick to your roots. Yeah, come on. Uh, and finally, the big song, the other big song for that year was uh, the title. Well, hang on. Kiss from a Rose. Is that yeah. from? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so this song, this movie this had movie. had Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. It had a... From uh, you 2 So the soundtrack, this was the first Batman film to not have Danny Elfman, because I guess he comes often paired with Burton. Yeah. And um, so they had a new guy, but then they also build out more of a soundtrack, soundtrack with songs in it with uh bunny ears bangers bangers well they charted right i mean number one song of the year was it did you say or no, close to no it? it's it's on some list i've compiled i think gangsters paradise kiss from a rose is a big fucking deal kiss from a rose i think got him across the line with heidi klum i can't verify that but oh yeah so they went with a more soundtracky soundtrack so it's kind of cool the first batman had a whole album inspired by the film thing done by Prince. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Yeah, and there were a couple Feels of really like cool tracks on it. And the, the initial idea for that album was to have Prince and Michael Jackson co-create this album, and one representing Batman, one representing the Joker. And Michael Jackson didn't do it, so Prince did the whole thing. And there's that classic video of him half Batman, half Joker. I listened to it recently. It's interesting, but it's not like a real... As good as it sounds? Because yeah, it sounds pretty Yeah, but it's a amazing. great idea. I'm not sure what was the deal with Batman Returns, but obviously Danny Elfman's score is really cool. But in this one, they actually charted and looked into it. There's also, a, uh, I believe it's Method Man. It's a Method Man? It did <laughs> a believe. Riddler song. In which one? In Batman Forever. He has a Riddler song. Yeah. So a weird kind of twist in the soundtrack space for a superhero movie at that time, especially. Yeah, with no score connection like it's not the actual movie well that's the thing so i think uh they had a i can't remember the other tracks on there but they had a bunch of song songs on this film soundtrack and only i think two of the songs were in them and i think one of them was in the end credits yeah hold me the u2 song was in, in the, the credits, credits. Yeah. yeah so and maybe that was the only one actually so i don't know how that works in hollywood like what counts constitutes a soundtrack i think now often they say music inspired by the feature film yeah uh, should we dive into the movie itself Riddle me this, riddle me that. 
Who's afraid of the big black bat? In an uncertain world, in a chaotic time, justice wears a mask. How did you feel rewatching it? What what were your kind of thoughts on the movie overall? Um, you like it or? Yeah, I didn't mind it. I think I, I liked it more as it went on. Yeah. Because I kind of just accepted it for being, you know, just a run of the, I would say it was re- relatively run of the mill Batman movie. Yeah. I did, at the beginning, I thought it was pretty lame. Lame? Yeah. Um. But then you kind of get on board with it. Right? A little bit, yeah. It was a bit yeah. of a creeper like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's like you, I think it's a bit jarring at first because we're in this real phase of we're so serious about our superheroes to have this really heightened version of Gotham and like really campy characters. Yeah. But really then once you kind of contrived adjust, dialogue. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's where I got a, couldn't quite get all the way. But the overall package, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. I'm like, this is such a breath of fresh air <clears throat> compared to so much of what we see now. Yeah. Especially in the DC universe. And the, like, the Nolan films are fine. I really like Dark Knight. The other two are fine. Um, but I just hate the whole, let's justify every element of Batman. The ears are actually antennas and it helps him do this. No, he's just dresses like a bat and he has the ears because that's where the ears of a bat are. Like, that's why this film is unapologetic about that kind of shit mm. it doesn't make a lot of logical sense but who cares you gotta you it's gotta a man go that dresses it. as a bat for fuck's sake so yeah. i kind of like that element of it you gotta suspend uh yeah just get reality. on board it's a similar trend to what i don't like in the bond films too like what, the why are they not fun anymore it's all like gritty and like it's like a Jason Bourne film. And it's like, no, give me some crazy fucking gadgets. Mm. Um, let him be a bit of misogynist. Doesn't mean we support misogyny. He can be an idiot. We don't have to like him. He's a caricature. Let's mm. have fun with it. Mm. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that this film, I'd kind of forgotten about it other than Jim Carrey. I think it kind of sits in this weird space where there's the, obviously the most hated Batman movie ever, which is the one that immediately followed this. The Nipplegate. Yeah, but then he had nipples in this one too, which everyone seems to forget. So the nipples <clears throat> referring to the, the the bat suit. The first time they decided to put nipples on the suit. And what's really weird about that is um, Alfred makes these suits. So I wonder what that design <laughs> choice was. So you know what? Uh, Needs more nipple. <laughs> it's missing Something's something. Something's missing. <laughs> <His> little nipple. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think... Uh, on, Bruce. 
it's in this weird space between the Burton films and then the worst Batman movie. But the combination of those two things, I've realized I kind of don't mind. I didn't really love Val Kilmer that much, but I love Jim Carrey. Like, re-looking at it now, liking Jim Carrey on a slightly different level to when I was a kid. Like, mm. I basically wanted to see Ace Ventura being the Riddler. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, he's making some choices here that are kind of cool. Like, he's so campy and yeah. like... I really, really loved that. Oh, and one, obviously this film is very campy, very heightened representation of Batman, very comic booky looking, very stylized. But there was one scene that I thought actually was pretty cool and actually hit me a little bit <clears throat> when uh, Robin's family died. There was this really cool shot where they're looking down on the ground, like from the top of the tent. And you see his family just lying on the ground dead. Oh, yeah, the And aerial. then when he pokes his head back over through the circle, it was really simple, but it was like, ooh. Gave you In a... the middle of this really cartoony thing, I'm like, ooh. A very human moment. Did I just feel something? <laughs> like it was, I mean, it was a bit out of place in the movie, but I thought that was really cool. Overall, I really enjoyed, I love this version of Gotham. Again, probably more as, a, as the antidote to what we see now. Yeah, the color. The, the color, over the top sets. That weird thing because they didn't. Apparently, they didn't do a lot of CGI. No. Um, yeah. So there were, I, I think a lot that. of those exterior shots were maybe hand painted or something, or maybe computer generated. But because of the limitations at the time, looking at it now, while yes, there's a bit of outdatedness to it, it almost feels more like a stylistic choice a little bit. It didn't. Yeah, I agree. It didn't do heaps of CGI, which typically dates faster yeah. than. A crummy or no not so good explosion. An explosion is an explosion, right? So the fire scenes, fire doesn't change. The one beef I have with it probably, two beefs I have with it, Val Kilmer was a bit meh. I didn't like the cheesy lines. I didn't like bat buns at the end. You know, it's yep. like that getting ready montage. And it's yep, like I'm buns. familiar. Yep. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, it was just kind of like <sighs> yeah, his man. version of the Joker. It wasn't really Two-Face. We've seen the Joker, let's do something else. You could probably say that about the Riddler too, but I felt him especially was just, yeah. I thought Tommy Lee Jones' Harvey Dent was awful. Right. Well, so this is where it gets interesting. So you remember Batman 89? Harvey Dent Go on. was played by Billy D. Williams. Lando. Lando. No, Lando. <laughs> <laughs> Not the branding agency. <laughs> Lando. Lando. Uh, Lando. Yeah, from Star Wars. So he played Harvey Dent in Batman 1. Um, Batman Returns, uh, Harvey Dent was supposed to be Christopher Walken's character. That was going to be Harvey Dent. So Billy D. Williams was supposed to play Harvey Dent in Batman Returns mm. as that character that ends up creating Catwoman. That gets rewritten into Max Shrek role, whatever. Interestingly, also in that film, Robin was supposed to be in it. Mm. You know, he was returns. cast as Robin in that film? In Returns. Marlon Wayans was cast to play Robin in Batman Returns. He got cast. He got paid, I think. And then there were just too many characters and they're like, okay, let's save him for the next movies. Fast forward to Batman Forever where you've got Harvey Dent and you've got Robin in the picture, two African-American actors in 1995. What happens? Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Well, also just some general old-fashioned racism, I think. you know, It's interesting to say this is the year of O.J. Simpson and... I mean, I'm not going to draw a real direct line to that, but I think it is interesting to think about where we were at that point in terms of that kind of racism and Keeping representation it, uh, of African-Americans in film. It was pretty cool for Burton to, to cast these guys in these roles that are traditionally white, which even today would probably be controversial with the fanboys. Absolutely. Um, and it's kind of a shame that it didn't happen. That it regressed. Yeah. It would have been really cool to see Billy D. Williams... Lando is Two-Face in this, especially across the three films, seeing that arc happen would have been really, really cool. And Marlon Wayans, like, I'm not a huge fan. I think that but would have been kind bring, of cool. He'd bring a level of Wayans. Yeah, well, you could always use a Wayans in a film, right? Exactly. Yeah. On that note, why don't I give you a little rundown of how this film kind of came to be? All right. As I alluded to before, Batman 89, huge success, like unprecedented. A, how do you ever make a Batman movie? B, he did it. See cultural phenomenon. Mm. This 
thing has happened. Outstanding um, performances. To yeah, and it's two also leads. just um, Burton's third third film, I think. Wow. Yeah, so right. he did um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure or whatever it is, um, Beetlejuice, and then this. So it's his third movie. And so come to Batman Returns, he gets a bit more creative freedom. They're like, love what you did there, fucking cultural phenomenon. Go nuts, do your thing. He makes Batman Returns. And there's a bit of a what the fuck reaction <laughs> to that. You know, you got Danny DeVito with in like, his pajamas, with... vomiting up purple bile, yeah. biting a guy's nose. And so there's a huge backlash with parents. It's like, how could you market this as a kid's film? Yeah. And then they're like, well, it's not a kid's film. And it's like, well, why are you doing Happy Meal toys? And so there's this whole yeah. Yeah. drama around that. Long story short, um, Burton sits down to talk Batman 3 with the studio. I remember toying with the idea of doing another one, and I remember going into Warner Brothers and having a meeting. I'm going, you know, we could do this, we could do that, and they go, they go like, Tim, don't you want to do like a smaller movie now? You know, just something that's more. And like, about you know, half hour into the meeting, I go, you don't want me to make another one, do you? And they go, oh, no, 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 no. And I, I just said, no, I know you did. And so I just, uh, we just stopped it right there. <laughs> so basically he gets cut from that movie. Um, Joel Schumacher gets a... introduced to the equation. He approves that decision. He's on board with Schumacher. He kept, he stayed on as a producer. Yeah, stayed on as executive producer, which is a bit of a... What is that you do? I think it's a bit of a token yeah. gesture. Like how, kind of like how Stan Lee's an executive producer on every Marvel film. But Joel Schumacher was a weird kind of thing to add into the mix. He's all over the place. So he's he did a lot of the Brat Pack movies, St. Elmo's Fire and Lost Boys. But then he also did like John Grisham novels like The Client and The Time to Kill. Falling Down, one of your jams. Mm. He did Falling Down. Yep. So he's not traditionally like this cartoony kids movie guy. He was apparently a massive Batman fan. And he initially wanted to do something a bit more like this Frank Miller comic called Batman U1. So Frank Miller's the guy that did 300 and Sin City. Mm -hmm. So you get that darkness, that level of darkness. Batman U1 is actually really similar to what Nolan did for Batman Begins. So he had this kind of idea in his head. Michael Keaton was into that too. He's like, yes, let's show where this guy came from. It's going to be really fucking cool. Studio said no. And we, so, want, we want Happy Meals. Yeah. Well, basically, then he went the complete opposite way and took the script that had already been written with the Riddler in it. was still a bit dark. The Riddler was a lot crazier. And he was like, okay, well, we can lighten this up. So he lightened it up. Following that, Keaton drops out. He's like, this is not, I'm not into this. I'm out. I think like 15 mil he was being offered and he drops out. 15 mil. Yeah, not interested. Pretty close to shooting too. So they get Val Kilmer in. But did you hear about some of the other names in contention? For the new Batman. For the new Batman. There was talk of a younger Batman. Steve Buscemi. Oh, we weren't ready for that. His big wet eyes. Ethan Hawke, but they made an offer to him. He must have been pretty young then. My favourite, which I think would have been the right decision, William Baldwin. Let's try and see. Is that Billy? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. He would make a great Batman. He's the closest to Alec Baldwin. You know, they kind of get weirder and weirder. Oh, yeah, yeah. From, um, he was Sliver. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he would work, right? I, I can see that as a Batman. Get a, yeah. Put a bit more chunk on him. But there's some other really weird casting uh, <laughs> casting stories in the mix here. I don't know if you saw this one, but there was a prominent singer-songwriter um, who was lobbying to become the Riddler and was ultimately rejected. One Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Devilish. Really? Yeah, he really wanted to be the Riddler, which is crazy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Batman. <laughs> but yeah, what a, what a weird one. And initially, I um, want to be the Riddler. They wanted to get um, Robin Williams to be Riddler. Yeah. And he was, he, he said he was on board, but never committed. And they say the reason he was stringing them along was he wanted to be the Joker in Batman 1. And there's this story in Hollywood that they just used him as a negotiation tool to get Jack Nicholson. He was never going to be the Joker. Aww. He was kind of, I don't think he was ever into this. He was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He never did it. I think there was talk briefly of him potentially being in a Nolan film in some capacity, but no, that never happened either. But he would have been a fine Riddler. But like Absolutely. I said, I was pretty happy with um, 
Jim Carrey Jim. in that role. They've got, a, they've got a few similarities. Absolutely. Like, I don't um, think you have one without... I, I don't think you have a Jim Carrey without a Robert Williams. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's a pretty direct influence. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's how we got to have this beautiful picture in our lives. Should we dive into the movie itself? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll go loosely through the plot, but I won't... You no, know, it's a Batman movie. Yeah. We kind of get the, get the idea. You get the gist. So it starts in uh, Gotham City. There's this guy pretends to be a bat. The opening scene is, I think he intercepts a Harvey Dent robbery. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, meets the, the love interest played by our Nick, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I forgot about her. Chase Meridian is a pretty cool name. Great name. I'm not, sure, I'm not familiar with all of the... Batman's girlfriends. He does all right, eh? But he's a billionaire, so you know. In the comics, yeah. Chase Meridian's pretty uh, not a fully fleshed out character, though. Yeah, look, the opening exchange is probably probably a low light of the film for me. Yeah, Um, I think as we said later earlier, it got better as it went on because that when I watched that scene, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long hour and forty minutes. Stick the car. Stick the car. Yeah, that yeah, that was great. Just the the um, the cheesy back and forth was pretty hope, hopeless. They met. I think he invites her to the circus. I might be missing a scene here, but then they go to the circus. Um, Harvey Dent comes into the circus doing his thing, <laughs> fucking up people's night at the circus, which is a shame. You know, people just want to go and see some acrobatics. Yeah. We're introduced to uh, Chris O'Donnell, heartthrob of '95. Absolutely. Real heartthrob. He's part of the circus. Harvey Dent knows that Batman's there, so he's asking Batman to step forward. He's like, I'm going to start killing people. Bruce Wayne gets up to say he's Batman, but he screams out, but they can't hear him because there's too much noise. There's too much commotion. He said that Val had very loose lips (laughs) as a Batman. You've got a a responsibility as Batman to shut the fuck up and protect that identity, I think. I agree. Anyway, you, I agree, he had loose lips. Uh, so he jumped up, uh, then there was some calamity ensued. Ipso facto, Chris O'Donnell, a.k.a. What's his character's name? Not Robin? Robin. Well, <laughs> Before Dick he, Grayson? Dick yeah. Grayson? There's a few Robins, I forget. What Flying Grayson's is the family. Yeah, he's Dick Grayson. He's Dick. Yeah. His name's Dick. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so his parents, I think, and brother or sister die there. That was the emotive scene you you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think that's a great scene. But yeah, I already said that. Heavy, heavy. So um, Bruce opens up the doors to Wayne Manor to young Dick, which is also a bit weird because if you're a superhero hiding your identity... I don't want to talk too much about young Dick on this podcast. Maybe you should call him Robin. (laughs) I'll I'll call Dick Robin. So Robin... Gets invited to Bruce, you know, Bruce Manor, I guess probably because he feels guilty because he kind of is responsible for his parents dying. Yeah. So he rocks up and he's a bit of a bad boy. You know, my parents are dead. He's got an earring. He's got an earring. Mm-mm. He calls Alfred Al. Yeah, I didn't like that. Alfred, he's our one point of continuity through this the whole franchise. Because he was Alfred in, in all of them. No, well. What, oh, in the first four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah before yeah. he died and. Michael Caine took over. I don't like the new Alfreds. He's my, he be, he's my Alfred. Yeah, I, I was reminded of that in watching this. I don't want to see Michael Caine go, I have a responsibility. I promise I'll look after you, Master White. <laughs> I don't want to see that. He's Alfred, man. You're carrying drinks yeah. on a silver tray and your eyebrows have a personality all of their own. That's my Alfred. Yeah, but he's dead, you know? Now, yeah, I'm just saying he's my number one. Yeah, okay, but you can't hate... Poor Michael Caine for coming in and taking over. I've got nothing against Michael Caine, but he's not Alfred. Mm. So then Bruce Wayne does a little walking tour. I'm the CEO, bitch. I'm just going to come around and check out what's going on at Wayne Enterprises. Comes across one of the divisions and uh, a young Edward Nigma, played by Jim Carrey, is there very excited. He's a very um, spirited young man working on the R&D, I think it would have been, research and development. He's got this new tool that you can put on someone's head and then they plug into the TV uh, and basically get like a sensory experience not yet 
experienced. Sort of VR-ish, but I guess it's supposed to be in their brain. Yeah, kinda. it's kind of like if VR, yeah, VR on some kind it's of It's probably not too far from where we're, we're getting to at this point. So he presents this idea with a lot of zest and excitement to Bruce. And Bruce is like, you send me people's brainwaves. I don't like it. So he basically shut down Edward Ningba, who then went on a bit of a spiral. He didn't take the news well. He's like, mm. you don't like it? I'll make you like it. Doesn't take criticism well. He doesn't, does he? That's a, That should be in his feedback. Anyway, then he starts wigging out. He kills his boss, not before sucking his brain juice out of his boss into his own and realizes that his little new TV contraption can actually suck smarts mm. out of people into his own brain. So he does a bit of that. That's pretty cool. He goes off and becomes the Riddler, basically. Starts forming his... his uh, his supervillain character. He identifies Harvey Dent as someone who's like, yeah, I like what you're doing. You're a good supervillain. Harvey had the babes. I get the feeling, though, that Jim Carrey's Riddler is less interested in the babes. Yeah, he's, got that vibe. he's quite into Batman. Yeah. And the nipples. I love that, though. Yeah. The mole, the mole bit. How's he's, my mole? How's my mole? <laughs> I loved that so much. Yeah. And I love that he just got more of his, like, almost the Elton John glasses at the end. Like, oh, yeah. He got, he got more that. and more. He was just yeah. peaking. Yeah. On that, he throws this big launch party for the for the TV thing. He scrubbed up pretty well, hey? He looked good. Yeah. Slick. He's low-key handsome. Yeah. Slick carry. You know, good head of hair. Good features. So he throws this big party. There's a There's a few of these big scenes where... There's lots of people shooting and Batman does stuff. Your entrance was good. His was better. Mm. That was pretty funny. That's pretty good. At the party, he uh, basically tricks Bruce Wayne to getting his head checked. He gets the machine on his head mm. and then takes the, the vial okay. out. Drew, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. What's up with that? It's like a cameo, but she's awesome. Well, yeah, I was trying to think at this point in her career, is that a cameo or is that a role? Like, Well, she was she was big, big right? news then, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah. But she didn't have a like she didn't have any lines. She was like just hot chick B. Sugar and spice. She was sugar. She was sugar, I guess. Yeah. Then I think uh Bruce decides he's gonna be a good boy and not be Batman anymore. I couldn't understand wh- where the connection was. Like, why did he decide not to be Batman? I don't know. He just read it because for, for Chase. Chase. Oh, I would add at this point that Chase was in love with both Batman and Bruce. She, yeah. She's just, she just loved it. I got to say, though, I, um, I'm not a real Nicole Kidman guy. I thought, like, she was pretty hot. Hey, she was know, very hot, wasn't hot. she? But then also, this sounds bad, but I don't mean it bad because it's a Hollywood thing. I'm actually conscious of how much Hollywood teeth have changed. Because I remember looking at her teeth go, they look yellow, but they're normal teeth. Like they're whiter than my teeth, but just on Hollywood standards. <laughs> Everyone has new teeth now. Do you see these movies and they've got these like... They're all getting the veneers. It's so crazy. A lot of these movies we're watching for this podcast, you see like real human teeth and mm, it's really Especially the British movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big brook of the great British, British book of smiles. <laughs> I don't brush. I don't brush. <laughs> Why must you turn my dentist studio into a house of lies? Um, gosh, I'm, I'm dragging here. So Bruce decides to stop being Batman, wants to live a normal life with Chase. And that's the other thing. Like, as far as, you know, women in movies representation, the... What's your thing? The Bechdel? The Bechdel test. Bechdel test. <laughs> That's not my thing, Greg, but yeah. <laughs> How do you make it up? Feminist hero Tristan invents the Bechdel test. <laughs> my mum would be so proud. I wish I invented it. My mum would not know what a Bechdel test is, <laughs> let alone me knowing. Um, yeah, she also like has patched both these guys and he wears a mask that covers just his eyes and forehead. Yeah. And she couldn't work out. It's the same guy. Anyway, she and decides. He smiles. He shouldn't smile when he walks out of that. Yeah, well, that's, they like to inject the little circuit breaker comedy bits. Then they go back. Robin's like, come on, let me help you kill Harvey. I want to kill Harvey. He killed my family. And then Two-Face and uh, 
the Riddler rock up on Halloween and basically knock out knock out Jeeves. <laughs> some, some terrible. Bruce Wayne doesn't have security cameras because even in the beginning, Jim Carrey rides up not even as the Riddler yet yeah. on his posty bike and just sticks the and riddle. Sticks things there. The riddle on his it, gate. Batman doesn't have a security camera at the gate. It's not believable. I don't believe it. I don't for believe a true it. story. It's not very believable. <laughs> uh, anyway, they both get kidnapped and then you go to the final showdown and he has to choose between saving Robin or saving Chase. And then he buys a bit of time by asking a riddle to the Riddler about what a bat is. It's pretty shit. What? Then, uh, what? what is blind? Is dressed, what is a bat? I'm dressed as it. <laughs> All the riddles in this were so weak. Yeah. So he's more jumbo crossword than cryptic. Yeah. It's interesting because I think Nolan really could have gone deep on that one. It would have been good in the Nolan verse, the Riddler type. Maybe he still will. He's going to do another one, isn't he? Nah, it's over. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> what happens next? Oh, gosh. I need to rewatch that one. Is That's that shit? Don't watch that. Yeah, so okay. Only the Dark Knight is good. The rest of the Nolan movies suck. Every Nolan movie sucks. What about. <laughs> nah. Stinks. <laughs> what about? Not a fan. <laughs> Inception. Uh, the the Da Vinci Code of films. Oh, there, but there is a film of the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> <laughs> what? The Da Vinci Code is more of the Da Vinci Code of films. What about? You don't like Interstellar. I like Interstellar, except for it was okay. <laughs> don't turn our podcast into a house of lies. <laughs> anyway, fucking Batman saves everyone, and then. And then they seemed to go separate ways at the end anyway, didn't they? He, Chase and Bruce. Well, as always, yeah. They just kind of... But he was leaving it all for her and then they... And then Batman and Robin run through a tunnel. Yeah. At the they end. sure did. Towards the camera. Yeah, in slow-mo. That was cute. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed it. How does it stack up though, Greg? How does it stack up? How do you feel about the elements that are out of date? Well, um... Starting with fashion. Fashion's almost a moot point in yeah. in this movie. Kind of. It's a bit like what you were saying in um in the Matrix, in the Matrix, of like it's not really a certain time at all. Yeah. It's just a Although that did have some sweet easy season two gear. Mm. I mean some of the stuff I thought stacked up pretty well. Like I said before, music, I think that's a big one that has translated. Like Kiss from a Rose. Like that, that's probably one cultural link this film has into proving that this film ever existed. Because I think this is sort of the forgotten Batman in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, yeah. probably undeservedly so. Like it's not that bad. I mean, it's, I like it. Yeah. It's better than Batman and Robin. It deserves to be remembered, but it's in the shadow of the worst Batman film ever. And yeah. this is too, I think best case scenario is grouped in with Batman and Robin. No, best case scenario, Forgotten. Worst case scenario, grouped in with Batman and Robin. One thing that's aged poorly, and I'm curious to know what the sentiment at the time was, was Harvey Dent's makeup. Yeah. It's so bad. Like, yeah. It's really it's bad. It. Um, I didn't like the cheesy lines. I don't think that, that, that ruined it for me. I like the overall kitschiness, but not the chicks did the go. Not into that. I'll get drive through. Not feeling it. Chase Meridian, not a human. We are not in Bechdel test territory <laughs> territory here at all. Yeah. But then come to think of it, looking into it, I don't think any Batman films have ever passed the Bechdel test. Could you explain So the Bechdel test what the Bechdel um, test is? Is basically I think it started with a from a cartoon comic strip thing, sort of as a joke, but then it became not as a joke, but as a commentary. But then it was like, actually, that's how we should test film to see if they're actually representing women as real human beings. There's three elements to it. The first is there must be two female characters with a name. <laughs> Ooh. You'd be surprised. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's, to break it down. Yeah. Um, they must talk to each other about something other than a man. So it doesn't sound crazy, but most films don't pass. I think we're at the point now where we're about maybe just under 50% of all films pass. And there's always going to be some movies where they don't pass. So it's not it's not like a it's not a tool to hate on movies. 
but it is a good tool to kind of pressure test where we're at. Absolutely. And this film certainly does not pass. Yeah. And actually, outside of Justice League, because that has Wonder Woman and the whole scene on her homeland where it's all women, as far as I could tell, I looked into it, there's no Batman film that passes the Bechdel test. And I don't think there's any DC film other than Wonder Woman that passes the Bechdel test. All of the Marvel films do now. So since, I think, maybe Guardians of the Galaxy or something, they all pass the Bechdel test. So there's, they have a much more rounded roster of female characters who talk to each other and have names. So they don't need to be human. <laughs> well, some of them aren't even human. So how about that? Yeah. So there's really, I mean, in those days, I guess it's not great, but it's kind of expected. But today, get it together, guys. Batman. Mm. So, yeah, like, not cool. Val Kilmer, not my Batman. Sorry. He was. A, I mean, talk about Val Kilmer for a second. Yeah. So if you go through his movies, he's usually not doing, like he's usually plays a pretty chilled out guy. He's obviously very good looking. At a, at a time. At a time. In this time, he's like, I thought. Yeah. So I oh, put so on a couple go. of kilos, I believe. But yeah, if you go back, you know, um, the Doors, Jim Morrison, he was pretty wild. I'm trying to think of the role, like in Heat, I guess he had a ponytail. Does that make him, is that character acting? So I had this perception of him as he went off the rails. But yeah, I looked into it and he actually was pretty consistently doing interesting stuff. Ghost and of even it. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He he actually, just looking at his list now, he stayed well active. He was doing like a couple of movies a year. Uh, all through the noughties, like lots. Island of Dr. Moreau, The Saint. The Saint. <laughs> um, what else have I got for you? Yeah, the, the the Tommy Lee Jones thing was interesting for me. And he's a wackadoo, man. Why did he even do this movie? I don't know. That's what it's I'm trying weird. to work out. He had just come off The Fugitive yeah. where he won an Oscar. Yeah. And have you heard about his beef with Jim Carrey? No. Oh, man, he hates Jim Carrey. Why? Is it because... Why? Well, who better to explain that than Jim Carrey himself? Yeah, I was at a restaurant and, he, and, and uh, you know, the mentor D said, Oh, Tommy, I hear you're working with Tommy Jones. He's over in the corner having, uh, having dinner. Uh, and, uh, and I went over and I said, Oh, yeah, great. I went over and I... I said, hey, Tommy, how you doing like that? And the blood just drained from his face. <laughs> like, oh. like he had been thinking about me 24 You'd hours. You'd already done the movie. He was just fucking, no, no. It was oh. before the biggest scene we have together oh. in the movie. And the blood just drained from his face. And he got, he started shaking. And he got up and he went, mm, ah, 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 like this. He must have been in mid-kill me fantasy or something like that. He was like, ah, 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 like this. And he went like to hug me and yeah. he said, I hate you. <laughs> I really don't like you like that. <laughs> and and, and I, I said, gee, man, what's, what's the problem? And I pulled up a chair, which probably wasn't smart. And uh, he said, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. Wow. Which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> It is crazy when you look at the performances, though. Tommy Lee Jones, I mean, he was just going doing a crazy thing versus uh, Jim Carrey's felt more like a... Performance? A performance, a choice, and it's like, this is the character I'm doing, whereas Tommy Lee Jones was like, I'm just going to do crazy shit. I think he was so outperformed by Jim Carrey that he kind of lost his mojo yeah. and started sort of half doing Jim Carrey because there's these little scenes where Jim Carrey's yeah. doing his thing. And yeah, he's kind of like giggling along oh, 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 next to next to the things that the Riddler's saying. It's really not good. Well, you know how we were saying before that there's a, for us at least in our exposure to these characters, the Riddler is kind of close to the Joker. I wonder if he felt like he was, that's how he wanted to play Two-Face. I wonder if there was something in that. Well, what, yeah, what's he meant to do? I don't know. Well, I mean, Harvey Dent in the Nolan films, I, I think is maybe more of an accurate, he's not supposed to be so jokery. He's not supposed to be running around going, hoo yeah. yeah, and he did that. Yeah. So I think, I, I don't know, I think he got a bit influenced just by Kerry's performance, yeah. maybe. My, my main thing is I think, because Tommy Lee Jones is a legend, right? And he's 
Absolutely. He's legit. So I reckon the makeup was part of it. I reckon that makeup was terrible. Didn't help, that's for sure. Because in the death scene, you know, when he dies, Harvey um, Dent pops out of nowhere and he's got them both at gunpoint. Got the three of them at gunpoint, Batman, Robin and Chase. And he's about to kill them. And then Batman convinces him to toss the coin. But Tommy Lee Jones kind of has a brief moment there where he talks like Tommy Lee Jones right. and delivers this final line. It's kind of something. And then he's like, wait, don't you want to toss a coin? He's like, yes, that's a good idea. Emotion is always the enemy of true justice. Thank you, Batman. You've always been a good friend. And just yeah. he, little bit is his only good line of the whole movie yeah. in that one scene. It's by himself. So it makes me think, I think he just really... Yeah, they, they don't shoot these things in, in chronological order. So that could have maybe even been one of the first things they shot. could have been early. Yeah. No, no. Like maybe Jim Carrey wasn't even on set yet. He could. I think he just got completely overshadowed in that type of role. Mm. Like, how are you going to stand next to the king well, of that, clowns? I mean, so that's the thing, right? You're supposed to... I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in this, but I think there's this... I think there's some rules in comedy of like... One of you has to sort of be the straight man. I think mm. there's like the saying, you could be two peas in a pod and you could be equally crazy like Dumb and Dumber. You could be like that. Mm. But uh, <laughs> I think in a role like this, you're su- there's a, one of you is supposed to be sort a bit of, of a yin and a yang. And so he, he probably should have played it a bit more. Straight up. Yeah. I believe it's, so. It's, especially when he's doing, because he's two-faced, right? So he's supposed to be a bit, a bit split personality. So the the normal side. And that doesn't come through at all either, just through some of the... Well, every so this is the thing, it didn't. I'm going to eat some of this and now I'm going to eat some of that. He says we yeah. at one point, but at least that doesn't feel consistent. Yep. The coin toss is not all that consistent. Coin toss doesn't get used enough. Yeah. That should be more definitive. Yeah, it should be like uh, no country for old men. Um, do, it, do bad guys... Uh, sorry, coin toss. It always seems to be a bad guy implementing the whole it's 50-50. You know? Referees. Bad guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Tommy Lee Jones was a very interesting one for me. But, you know, after this movie, he did course correct with Volcano. <laughs> uh, did he, though? <laughs> <laughs> to me, he's immune. I didn't like him in this at all, but I didn't give a fuck. He's Tommy Lee Jones. Like, he can... Yeah. He's, it doesn't compromise his awesomeness. Yeah. But, yeah, ultimately, I feel like this film... Is highly enjoyable. It is, you know, tarred with the same brush as Batman and Robin, probably unfairly. Um, and we all we all know how that turned out. I found a great, you know, the, I guess this is this is closely linked to the legacy left behind of Batman and Robin. And um, twenty years later, I have some good news. Uh, Schumacher has apologized for Batman, Batman and Robin. Oh. Yeah, in an interview, he said, after Batman and Robin, I was scum. It was oh. like I had murdered a baby. Well, Chris O'Donnell said, on Batman Forever, I felt like I was making a movie. The second time, I was making a kid's toy. So I think it's unfair to like lump Batman Forever into that hot mess. It's not the best Batman movie ever, but I really enjoyed it. I had fun watching it. Is it a great film? Like a you know capital F film? Probably not. It's fucking fun. Mm. Had a great time. My MVP is Jim Carrey. I don't know about you. It's pretty hard to go past. I did like Alfred, but I mean Jim Jim Carrey steals every scene he's in. Yeah, every one of them. I yeah. did one line. I did like. It's pretty naff. Holy brown metal, Batman! When they got to the island, and he's like, "What?" He's like. It's, there's holes in it and it's brown metal. It's like, oh. <laughs> it was pretty. I like, no, I like that too. And I, that's actually a good point. I reckon this is sort of a combination of 60s Batman and Burton Batman in a kind of a beautiful way. I'm into it. Oh, yeah, I did I pick up it. on a lot. I think there was quite a few, one just mentioned, but others as well. Yeah. Sort of nods to the, you know, the, the 60s, the yeah. Adam West era, which was cool. So, what's the verdict? What do you reckon? Rewatch, reboot, or bin? Probably just a rewatch. Yeah, I'd say it's a rewatch. Breath of rewatch. Breath of fresh air. Better than I remember. So sick of the darkness. Give no you more. Some, give you some light. Yeah, give me some light. If they were to reboot, though, here's one idea I, I had. Don't worry about Val Kilmer. Let's get William Baldwin in there, but let's make a direct <laughs> sequel to this Batman movie. 
let's pretend this is its own universe. This is not connected to Batman Returns. This is not connected to Batman and Robin. It's a Batman Forever universe, direct sequel, set in the 90s. It's 90s kitsch. It's the film that Jim Carrey thinks he's in. You know, it's a direct sequel to that. Jim Carrey's in there still. He's out of the asylum. I don't fucking know. Maybe there's some way that the Riddler creates the Joker out of Robin because he's a bit Jokerish himself. I think there could be a lot of fun in the neon fucking heightened gothic Gotham 90s kitschy thing. I would eat that up. Not ever going to happen. Probably I don't think not. It, I don't think it would be a hit. Probably but not. just if, if, if you had to do something with this yeah. property, that's what I would want to see. I Yeah, I grabbed on to the fact that uh, Jim Carrey didn't die, so there's got to be some legs in him coming, popping back up to yeah. some capacity. There's been a bit of a fan movement around building a direct sequel to Batman Returns. I don't know if you heard about that. Nah. You know, I mentioned Batman Year One. Mm-hmm. I think there's the opposite. I forget what it's called, but it's basically Old Man Batman. And um, fans are rallying for Michael Keaton to come back as Batman his age now uh, and a direct I think sequel. I heard that. Yeah, yeah, the Michael Keaton bit of I think I'm into it. Yeah. I reckon that would be really cool. Well, Bring back Burton. You had me at Keaton. Yeah. We done? I think we're done. All right, so that's all we have on Batman Forever. It feels like it's a rewatch, so watch it. It's on Netflix now, Australia. Probably for US too. Sort it out. What, $3 max? Get on board. You'll have a good time. Watch the fucking movie. How long is it? What's the running time? I don't know, an hour and a half? I did watch an hour of it at work today. I don't <laughs> I think I've watched it.